Welcome back to How to Tickle Yourself. I'm your host, Duff McDonald, along with my co-host, Joey of Rockledge. <laughs> Hello. As, as listeners may know, we are in search of like-minded people on this podcast. Not because we want everyone to agree with us, but because we think the best way to live is to constantly be in search of the tickle of your own existence. And when you find it, to try to hang on to it with all you've got. So we try to find people to talk to that are doing that same thing. That's why I was really excited a year or so ago when our friend Peter Barrett introduced me to today's guest, Sonny Singh. Sonny spent the first part of his career as a healthcare technology entrepreneur. He did extremely well building what's known in investing circles as a unicorn. But at some point, he decided it was time for something new, a new inspiration, a new tickle. In recent years, Sonny hasn't just shifted gears. He has changed vehicles entirely, founding a new company called Round Glass that supports people in their journey toward what he calls holistic well-being. You might go so far as to say that his new tickle is helping other people to find theirs. Sonny's dedicated to exploring pathways to happiness, health, harmony, and growth through the people that he meets, the projects that inspire him, his practices of yoga, meditation, eating well, and connecting with nature and the community. But he's not just doing it for himself. He's doing it for all of us. Round Glass is quite the effort with remarkable resources centered around meditation, mindfulness, food and cooking, grieving and death, learning and wisdom, and music. In other words, everything that matters. Welcome to the show, Sonny. It is great to see you again. Uh, thank you, Duff. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. It's, it's uh, wonderful to be talking to you again. I remember past couple of conversations, um, one over a, a nice dinner and uh, one on the, on the call. So quite looking forward to it. And thank you for inviting me. present moment traveling town to town the mystery of the motion right here right now right here right now whoa right here right now so um why don't we back up and just do a, a quick little backstory here? You were a, uh, what I would say as a hard driving and very successful uh, healthcare IT entrepreneur. And uh, now you're kind of a yogi. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what happened? How did we get here? Uh, you know, um, uh, my first, uh, I, I spent half my life in India, half in the U.S., Came here uh, at the age of uh, 23 uh, to pursue uh, my education. I did a couple of masters. I did a couple of jobs. Uh, was a corporate misfit. Uh, I tried three jobs, I think, and at every job after one year they were ready to fire me. And so I pivoted. I said, you know, what is it that I really truly want to do in life that I can thrive uh, and I can enjoy? Because you know, I said I'm not that dumb that that I should not be enjoying what I do. 
Uh, and uh, I, I started my first, uh, first entrepreneurial venture, a company called edFX in healthcare tech, and did that for 20 odd years. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, but as part of being in the healthcare system, I started looking at this whole business of care or the system of care. And what I realized uh, uh, in edFX was that the healthcare system is what I call a sick care system or a disease management system. And all of us have experienced that and are experiencing that today. Now, we have phenomenal healthcare in the US. We have phenomenal doctors all over the world. But the system is such that it is a reactive system. If something goes wrong with you, we either do nothing, we let it pass, we pump you with chemicals or put you under the knife. But well, that's pretty much it. Uh, spending a lot of money on lifestyle diseases like hypertension, uh, like diabetes, like anxiety, like stress, spending an obscene amount of money, end of life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, how do we truly care for people? Because the healthcare system is a business of care, not a system of care. Mm-hmm. And the, the opposing forces of how healthcare works, you know, how much attention do people get? It is just, you know, when you really understand the healthcare system, you'll be aghast. You'll be shocked at how it works. Because the fact in the U.S., most of us, don't pay for healthcare because it goes to the employers or the government. So it's almost like a kid who's living a lifestyle, never knowing what the lifestyle really costs and how much sweat goes into, uh, into, into making that happen. And so the healthcare system is like that. And I, I started you know, uh, thinking about it and doing some soul searching and saying, but this doesn't seem right that we do, you know, we spend $4 trillion in our country and which is, you know, the half a dozen countries in the world with a GDP of more than 4 trillion yet, I don't have a great quality of life when it comes to living. And so the whole genesis of what I term now holistic well-being, and we call it with a W, not an H, the whole concept and the idea and the philosophy of holistic well-being start taking shape in my mind. I said, we have to do something to show people how to live, how to live well, how to live from the whole paradigm and foundation of holistic well-being. What is it? How, How do we explain it? How do we deliver it? Because Holistic well-being or showing how pe- people how to live is the ultimate in behavior change, the ultimate in behavior change. It is not a small nudge. It is an ultimate change. And the older we grow, the more difficult the change is. And you know behavior mm-hmm. change happens. It's very difficult to break a habit, to create a habit, et cetera. And therefore came the genesis of Round Glass as a company, which I believe today is an extension and expression of me as my life and what I want to do with my life of giving back. And so from... Being a hard-charging entrepreneur in edFX where I was, you know, I was young, I was restless, I was working seven days a week for five, six years. I was sleeping four hours a day. I never got tired. Uh, uh, and and being a hard-charging entrepreneur, like every, you know, a lot of people think, you know, of of a of a startup, shifting that mentality to saying, "Hey, look, I've learned something. I have to pivot, and this is what my pivot is." Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Why holistic with a W? Because the way I look at it is that um, uh, if you're living to the paradigm of holistic well-being, you have to look at the whole of you. The whole of you is not the physical body. The whole of you is not the mind and the body. The whole of you is your mind, is your body, is your emotions, is your soul, is your expanded consciousness, is your spirituality. It is the whole of you that you have to attend to. How come, you know, we have athletes who are so fit, yet they hate the sports they play? 
If athletes, they are look and say, my God, they don't have an ounce of fat on their body, but they're emotionally distressed. How come our kids who are eating well and going to school and having a good life are distressed and anxious and depressed, right? You have to focus on the whole. And what's happening today is we are focusing in our schools on the intellect. We're focusing in our sports on the physical. Yet, nobody's teaching our kids how to be whole, how to live, how to be creative, how to access compassion, how to find the inner self, who am I? How to, how to find purpose in life? How to, how, to, how to explain and experience love, compassion, creativity, how to understand nature, how to understand relationships, how to meditate, how to do yoga, reflect and journal, how to sleep well, how to eat well, how to do things mindfully, how to slow down. These are things that are never taught, but that is life. You know, a right. musician go today, right? You can become a chef tomorrow. These are skills you can acquire at any time of your life. You don't need to be going to culinary school to be a chef. You don't need to go to software engineering to be a coder. But the soft factors which makes your life, which makes your life meaningful, which makes you a great citizen, a great human being, a happy human being, we don't teach that to our kids. So that beats me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I make a similar point in Tickled where, you know, I was reacting against a lifetime of covering business and therefore getting sucked further into trying to quantify things, right? Because in Western capitalism, you know, one of the things we do obsessively is to count things. And it dawned on me that all those things that you just mentioned, most of them are not countable, right? So they don't quite fit into our quant-obsessed culture because it's hard to count love. Right. So we're and we're 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 too we're too focused on the things that we can measure and quantify and try to claim some, uh, you know, measured improvement in when, you know, as we were saying just before this call, the arrival of Joey in my own life took me out of that and made me start realizing, oh, there's a bunch of other stuff I have not been attending to. Uh, as I focused on my career or I've done this or that. So that's a great, like, I think you're right. It's like, we've, we, we, we are missing teaching some of the most important things. And I'm a perfect example. In this case, Joey became your teacher who expanded your consciousness. Yes. Where are those joys <laughs> in our high schools, in our middle schools, our elementary schools for our kids? We need those joys. You're right. Well, I think that's a problem in the West in general. Like maybe I think, uh, the East and India, they still have a different, they do look at more a spiritual perspective of things. I think we're very sort of have a narrow perspective in the West. And it's like Duff saying, it's the things we can quantify that we can count the things that are, that we can see, touch, smell, and taste. And so we're, we're very focused on that. And we don't give enough attention to the non-quantifiables, you know, the love, the compassion, the kindness, the things that you can't measure, but are vitally important to a healthy, happy human being. Yeah, Joey, you, you well said, you know, I, because I've lived half my life in the U.S., half in India, so I have two perspectives on, on everything, and I feel very fortunate that I, I can do so. And that's why two things. One, I tell parents, and have your kids travel a lot. There'll be better <laughs> education than they'll ever get anywhere else because you get perspectives. But when you look at the East versus the West, uh, it's a bit of an unfair 
comparison sometimes because I, I totally get what you're saying and I and it happens. It's unfair in these regards. In India, it's becoming westernized, the so-called westernization. You would think there's a lot of spirituality in India. Yes, there is, but it's not in schools. Mm. It's not in colleges. <laughs> there's mm -hmm. a pursuit of material wealth over there. Whereas mm -hmm. in the West, in some ways, if I look at the bright side, the pursuit of material wealth, they have eclipsed that and saying, I am still not satisfied. And so ah. there's more experimentation, more adaptation, more of a pursuit of things not materialistic, right? Mm. So they are going up the curve. We have gone over the hump. <laughs> now, that being said, it is almost like the epidemic of our times is, was not COVID. COVID was just proved that emperor has no clothes. The epidemic of our time is how we live and how the world is living and trying to live and aspiring to live. It is all non-holistic. And mm -hmm. that is the problem. And the world is suffering from this. We really look at lifestyle diseases, the amount of money we spend, the numbers are going up and they're going in the wrong direction everywhere in the world. Obesity is an epidemic in India. There's 100 million kids in India who are shunted, obese, or wasted. There are 100 million plus people in India who are diabetic and pre-diabetic. There are 100 million people in India who are depressed or suffer from anxiety and stress. These are numbers that are staggering. Even though they have a population of 1.4 billion, it is unacceptable as a human race, as us, that we should tolerate that and accept it. So the problem lies everywhere, but I get it. In the West, you know, we are so driven because we are so materialistically rich. As a America is the most the richest country in the world. We can, we can print $7 trillion and don't even sneeze for catching a cold, right? That's obscene, right? We have so much material wealth, but we have very, very lack of depth or shallow emotional wealth, soulful wealth, spiritual wealth. And spirituality is not a religion. It's just a way of living as part mm -hmm. of the lifestyle. And so we have to just, we as adults, we are responsible for the next generation. We should take it upon ourselves, the adults of the world, and saying, this is our cause, and I am going to give an hour a day. I will give a few hours a week to ensure that the next generation grows up wholesome in and on a wholesome planet. Wow. Well wow. said. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you're you, leading the you mentioned tra you mentioned travel there, and um, from sort of following you on uh, living with Sunny on Round Glass, uh, I notice I I have uh, I, I had a question here that you seem you have a, sort of a you travel a lot with a spiritual itinerary, right? And you're because you're always you're looking for the the right kind of lessons to glean from those travels. What have you discovered in your travels? What's, what, what's, what's some of your favorite stuff that you've stumbled on that you didn't know about before? Yes, um, so I, I do what we call well-being journeys with, uh, with spirituality weaved in there. And for me, spirituality is a way of living. And the way of living is holistic well-being. So for me, spirituality, holistic well-being, living wholesome, weaving well-being into your life is all the same things, how you live. It's not a doctrine, it's not an ideology, it's not a religion, it's not a culture. It is just the way you live. It's a lifestyle uh, and, choice. And with the proper North Star, with the proper value system, with the purpose, with who am I figured out, living from inside out kind of deal. Now, when I do these journeys, um, the, what I look for is I'll go to a place 
and I will explore the place, the people who live in that place, the rituals, the customs, the traditions, the food, uh, the healers, the practitioners, any special projects going on over there, and weave all of that and saying, what can I understand? What can I discover when it comes to holistic well-being or elements of holistic well-being that I can extract? Perhaps I can, of course, I'll experience it. How can I live it? And then how can I share that with the world? So the world knows that if I go to Morocco, if I go to Botswana, if I go on a spiritual journey in Spain, if I go on a journey in Japan, what did I discover from a holistic well-being perspective that people just live it? They might not call it, but they live it and we can learn from it and weave a version of that, a customization of that, or as is into our lives upon good understanding of it. So my idea is to explore, discover, live it, personalize it, and share it. And those are my holistic well-being journeys. <laughs> That's amazing. We got to figure out how to travel, Joey. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough life, but you know somebody's got to do it. <laughs> to do it for the kids. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. Well, on speaking of tough lives, you are in addition to uh, sort of round glass, the site and what we've been talking about, uh, you have other arms to round glass, including the foundation round glass sports and round glass sustain. You are a significant philanthropist uh, in India in particular and in Punjab, which I gather is where you grew up. Can you tell us what you're, what you're doing with those over there? Yes. Uh, happy to. Um, so in Round Glass, like I said, it's an extension expression of me and my life and how I want to live and what I want to do. So in one side, it causes me immense growth because I see my best years are ahead of me in terms of growing. Uh, and I'm a seeker of holistic well-being. Uh, we have one part which is more commercial, but there's a giving part to it. The living part is how do we democratize holistic well-being for the world so people have access to tools through our app to live holistic well-being, a free app for the world. So that's part of showing how can you use meditation and food and music and such in living holistically or living well-being or living well. On the other side, I also believe that every company, and if every company in the world, instead of writing a check to a foundation, took ownership of a social problem in something they believe in, in the community they work in, in the community they serve and sell their products in, or a cause they believe in. So we have taken three causes in India as of now. And in those three causes, one is we have what we call Round Glass Sustain, where we are chronicling, documenting in an educative, entertaining, purpose, purposeful manner, the entire biodiversity of India, wildlife, conservation, impact stories, habitat, and such. And so we started with certain areas. And we have done it beautifully where now we become the destination site for understanding India's biodiversity and even partners from the globally like BBC and are coming and saying, be our knowledge partner, be our technical partner because we want to showcase this aspect of biodiversity of India. So the team has done phenomenally well where now Indians are feeling proud about their biodiversity. And when you feel proud of something, you'll fall in love with it. When you love something, you will protect it. So we want Indians to fall in love with their biodiversity and we will not stop till the work is done. So that is one initiative. The second is around sports, where we have created a very elite sports academy. And as you know, in India, cricket is a religion. Actually, it's a super religion, <laughs> right? And the entire country not is in love or adores it. They are just madly obsessed about that sport. <laughs> we have created an academy to focus on additional sports. So it's a football-centric, what we call in the US uh, over here, soccer. So it's a soccer slash football academy. It also has other sports that we've added, 
uh, as secondary sports. It's a primarily a soccer academy, but we have field hockey and tennis, et cetera. And the idea is that how do we focus on the holistic development of the athlete? So we'll bring the best sports athletes in their sport because they have the right talent, they have the right potential, they're the best, they're the most dedicated. But we're saying we're going to develop you holistically. What does that mean? We'll not only have a technical and a performance program, for example, which every academy will, but we'll have your personalized nutrition plan. We will be well-being wow. in there. meditate. You will do yoga. You can learn martial arts. We will show you reflection and journaling. Not only that, we have a school that will weave around your sports program. So right now you go to school and you have a sports around it. No, so you have sports and we have school around you, private tuitions, uh, flexible classes, one-on-one -on -one focus, personalized learning. And our goal, our responsibility to every kid is this, that we will get you your first job. We'll get you to school and college and your learning and your vocational training, whatever is required. You're either going to become a professional athlete. If you don't, you come back to Roundglass or Roundglass Sports and work with us or not, we'll get you a corporate job. When one of those three things happen, our responsibility to you is over. Now you carry the torch forward. And so that's the Sports Academy. And we have done phenomenally well there in the short span of three to four years. Uh, COVID notwithstanding, that took some time out. So in the short span of three to four, less than five years, we have the number one football team in the country called Punjab FC Football Club. So Punjab FC is Punjab Football Club. Then there's champions in India. Uh, in tennis, we have the number one women's tennis player in the country from our academy in a year and a half of the tennis academy. The under 16 number one in the country is, is from India. Uh, for India is from our academy. Not only that, they both will break ATP 100 ranking by next year. Now, this is in a span of a year and a half to two. Why? Because right. we put our mind to doing things right, and the results are showing. We have over 14 uh, development academies in field hockey and 26 grassroots academies, all because there was a will to do something and do it right. But, but one, of the, one, of my, one of my favorite, favorite things that I'm doing is what we're doing in the villages of Punjab. So Punjab is where I was born. I didn't grow up there. It's my backyard. Our Indian headquarters are there. There are 12,571 villages, representing about 70% of the population of the state, which is about 30 million. We plan to make all those villages eco-sustainable between 2030 and 2035. We have already reached 1,600 villages, 2,000 by the end of the year. We have learning programs to make the kids uh, uh, go through immersive experiential learning so they can understand problem solving, rationalization, thinking outside the box, communication, et cetera. Not what they teach from the books in school. I could care less about it. But they are immersing themselves in understanding how the world works. We have sports program where girls and boys are coming and playing soccer. Now they're playing other sports in the evening. So they go from the school to our learn labs to sports. We can, now they're purposed. We have waste management program where they're recycling solid waste. So in every village that we have a waste management program, there is no garbage dump. Wow. Earlier, they had garbage dump. Now, if the garbage collector doesn't come one day, the village head gets a call. Where is that guy? Where, why is he not here at the right time? Earlier, they were dumping them in a garbage dump. We are going to plant a billion trees in Punjab. We have over 1,200 villages that have mini forest, right? Imagine a billion trees in Punjab, <laughs> making the greenest state in the world. So that's the kind of work we're doing. And, and, and my heart melts because I was just the idea generator. Yes, I do write a check here uh, all the time, but the team that has risen up working in the 
45, 50 degree centigrade heat of the middle of a summer afternoon. The people are doing this from their heart, not because they are paid, because they just believe in the cause. Tells you and reinforces my belief in humanity and human because I believe in human beings. I believe in the potential of people. And as I said, if you show them the way, you give them a little nudge, they will make miracles happen for you. So that's the giving part. And the I'll, I'll wrap all of that with the statement that if every company in the world took a social issue or a part of a social issue individually or with some of the corporates and saying, we take ownership of it and we will solve it by partnering up, either doing it ourselves or partnering up with another implementation foundation or whatever. Imagine that's happening and that happens for many years. There'll be no problem left to solve because who is best at solving problems? Companies are. If they are not good at solving problems, they'll be dead. <laughs> so we as our round us have taken these three big social issues as our problems for a community we believe in, in things we believe in to enable holistic well-being for those constituents. Yeah, it's a perfect example of how when you are uh, sort of aligned with the universe and what the universe wants you to do, it's it's supported and the love is there that needs that you need to get it done. I think it's amazing. So round glass is kind of a system of operations for humans. <laughs> it's like you That's can right. just take it and apply it and it works for sort of for everyone. It's like not just focusing on one part or another. You get the holistic. I'm onto it now. <laughs> That's right. That's very right. It's beautiful. So where, what's next? Where do you want it to be? Like ultimately what's, is there a goal? Yes. So, um, you know, it's, um, it's embarrassing, but I might as well share it. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> you know, even I laugh when I, when I think about it. I want us to impact a billion people to live holistically, to live well. You know, I want a billion people to become seekers in life. That's my dream. On the giving side, I want India's biodiversity to be showcased to the world. So the world falls in love with India and its Indian biodiversity and the Indian hospitality and go and visit it. I want 1.4 billion people and then growing to take care of the country when it comes to biodiversity, to saying it is our responsibility for the habitat and for our children and for everything in there to protect and grow it. I want India to be in the World Cup, football World Cup by 34 or 38, first time in the history of independent India or India as such. I want to see that happen by 34 or 38. I want to see a billion trees planted over there. I want, I want the, you know, we have a program where we're going to give every kid in the village by 2025 at the age of five a birthday gift that can either be a football or a tennis racket with tennis balls or a hockey stick with hockey balls. They can pick whatever they want. And every year or every two years, it'll be replenished. I, I'm pretty certain the junior Messi, a junior Messi, a junior Ronaldo is going to come from the villages of Punjab because at the age of five, they're taking a sport and purposing them where they have nothing to do over there. They have no life. They, they play these games called Pitu and Gulli Danda, which is just what I call passing time, whereas they will play a sport and believe in it and excel in it or let them be an anchor. Let that be an anchor in whatever they want to do in life. I want to see that. I want to see 12,000 villages you know, from a governance, sustainability perspective, where the, where, the, where the soil is clean because highly polluted, the water tables are 400 feet, you can't get water in, the air sometimes because stubble burning is, is unclean. I want to see 12,000 villages living well, right, where the soil is restored because of regenerative farming, 
The water tables are restored because of rainwater harvesting. The clay air is clean because there's no stubble burning because of monocropping or rotational cropping of paddy and weed. I want to see that clean, clean community. And I want to then see that this becomes a role model to inspire many other sunny things around us saying, if you can do it, not only I want to do it, I have an ego bigger than your sunny that I want to do it. <laughs> no, I want, I want to be in the face of the world and say, I challenge you, do better than me. Show it to me that you can do better than me because I'm a comparative guy. I want to see that one. I don't think there's one embarrassing thing in there. And I think you're going to do every single thing. I have no doubt. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, like I said, you know, whatever God, uh, in whatever manifestation it is or nature, allows me to do stuff we will do. We are doing God's work. And wherever he feels that, no, somebody else has to take the baton over, they will. And so we'll continue doing our work with full, noble, clean, pure intention, work hard, and have a lot of fun in the process, uh, uh, get a lot of joy in our own lives and bring a lot of joy in other people's lives. And wherever we have to stop or slow down, God will send the signal and somebody else will take over. <laughs> you also, uh, to, to come back to our uh, mutual friend, Peter Barrett, you have on the payroll there one of the greatest chefs of all time, as far as I can tell. He can um, do anything. <laughs> he can do anything. He, um, I make kombucha, and he said to me a year ago, he's like, he's like, why are you just, why are you loitering around the door of fermentation with just kombucha? Why don't you just dive right in? Uh -huh. And um, so he's got us pickling, he's got us fermenting, and. Um, yeah, just uh, watching his uh, the the photos of his meals is my is my. Uh, <laughs> if I want to hate someone briefly, I go to his Instagram account and look at what he had for dinner that night. Yeah, yeah, no, Peter with his kitchen gardens and he's an expert at that and his love for cooking and his expertise in cooking. Uh, he's what I call all in. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> as are you. Clearly, uh, where we're looking, what is it? You have possibly the most beautiful backdrop uh, I've ever had seen on a Zoom call. What are we looking at there? Where are you? So this uh, office complex has maybe a dozen buildings. Uh, has a Mercer Slough in the back, a uh, lot of greenery, and I've always gravitated to having offices away from downtown. And and downtown is like less than five minutes drive, like three minutes drive. You can actually walk to downtown Bellevue from here. Uh, but I've always uh, had offices which are away from downtown, the hubbub and the noise of the traffic and stuff like that, uh, because I believe that uh, that people are artists. Uh, everybody's creative and as an artist, and they need the peace and the quiet and the ambiance, both outside the office and inside the office. So we overspend on offices and how we create our offices and the layout, et cetera. Um, uh, but there's a lot of trees over here. It's very open. There's no high rises. Everything is two stories. Uh, the Mercer Slough is over here. Uh, so it's a beautiful setting, a very peaceful setting. You go for a walk, et cetera. So I've always gravitated towards doing that and saying, you know, I was sort of sleeping in your home. You spend the most of time in your office. So your bed has to be the right bed and your office has to be very <laughs> inviting. It's almost like I want to sleep in my office kind of invitation. Um, and so we, we overspend. We overspend on that and we make sure we have great facilities and a great ambience in and around our office. Amazing. <laughs> All right. So listeners, um, you heard it here. Uh, Sonny Singh is going to change everything. Um, but and and he and the team at Round Glass are off to a great start on that uh, branch of the of the effort. Uh, check it out. Uh, Roundglass.com. 
Uh, it's free to sign up, Sonny, right? And the and free access to uh, uh, most of the content. Uh, uh, our app is completely free, and okay. there'll always be a free app, even when we launch a premium version. The free app will keep getting better. Uh, but everything you see in the app today is totally free. We remain free, and we'll continue adding features and content to it uh, to show people and enable people to live well. So there'll always be this app, which is free. And there is uh, there is stuff on, like we said, meditation, mindfulness, food and cooking, music, grief. Grief is a, is a significant part. That one, it's not that I don't think people should be able to handle grief, but it sort of jumped out at me as uh, unusual in this kind of assembly of stuff. Why is grief a part of, of the round glass offering? Because if you look at life, uh, life will throw you curveballs uh, in different ways, right? Sometimes a parent might pass away, a relative might pass away, or a pet might pass away, uh, or somebody's ill and you're feeling really sad. To handle those emotions, we have to show people that life is not like this. Life is not always going up. Life is like this. And you have to be prepared to deal with everything that life throws at you. And sometimes, or most of the time, be unexpected. Because people don't want to think about the tips and the sad things and the lows of their life. They want to think of positive things, right? So, so grief, end of life, uh, mourning, all of these things are emotions and events that happen that we, from a holistic well-being perspective, have to show people, how do you deal with grief, grief from a holistic well-being perspective? How do you deal with end of life from a holistic well-being perspective? So they're better prepared. They can handle it better. And People around them can assist them in handling it better because it's just not the person going through the grief, but the social tribe and people who care for them can also learn from them and say, okay, how can I help somebody in their moments of grief? So all of this comes together as an important element of holistic well-being. Yeah, I don't think people talk about it enough. I think it's something people try to shove under the rug and, you know, and it doesn't go away until you let it go. <laughs> and yes. uh, so I think it's really, I, I'm all in. It's great. All right. So listeners as well, and check out the, the there's, you can follow uh, Sonny. He writes a regular column uh, on the site too. And you can follow him on uh, these spiritual journeys around the world uh, as well. If you, if you want uh, more doses of the kind of inspiration we just heard here today. Uh, Thank you, uh, Sonny, both for joining us, but for doing all of this. It's just amazing. Uh, and I just used the word, but it's like I feel inspired just having talked to you. Uh, so um, you're doing it right, at least as far as from the point of view over here. It's uh, it's it, it's um, uh, gives me a little spiritual jolt here that uh, that the world is a we can make the world an awesome place. We just got to lean in a little bit. No, Joey and Duff, it's a pleasure talking to both of you and and um, giving me time to talk about the things we're doing. And and uh, so I really appreciate that. It's uh, it's good to meet you, Joey. Uh, like I, Duff has always talked about you and very highly and as his anchor and as his spiritual guide in a way, we're tickled and I think all, all the jealous of tickle was you, not him. <laughs> Uh, 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 so, true enough. So, true enough. I don't so, need to. I'm not the doer. I'm just. I'm just hanging out. You are I the cat floating by. You are the, the catalyst. catalyst for that. So, but uh, but lovely to meet you. Lovely to spend time with both of you. And thank you for the opportunity. Mm. Thank, thank you. you Sonny. It, was it was great meeting talking you. To you. Bye. Bye.
All right. So that is uh, Sunny Singh, a one-man wrecking crew of holistic wellness. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we have to, uh, we got to step things up around here, Duffy T. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, no, he's so inspiring. Like I, like, I love what he said about businesses needing to kind of take a social issue. We need to with Rockledge. Like we live a holistic life, but we can do more to share it, right? Yeah, and he makes a good point that was, he said, who are the best problem solvers businesses? And because businesses that don't solve problems go out of existence, right? So if, if a business is um, successful to any degree, it is essentially a problem-solving mechanism, right? It's a bunch of people getting together to get something done. Um, so, and, you know, he obviously has faith in the, in the power and promise of capitalism because Edifex, his original company, that was what he ran for 20 years, has allowed him to, um, his success from that has allowed him to fund uh, Round Glass, both the, the for-profit part and the and the stuff in India, which is just mind-blowing to go in and decide to, um, uh, you know, help overhaul every village in a giant Indian state. Yeah, um, no, it's amazing. Um, so it's, he, Round Glass itself is just, is phenomenal. Like it really, um, it really is an operating system for a human being because it's like, you know, you can, if you don't do, if it's not holistic, it doesn't really stick. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Like you can, people can just try to meditate, but if you're having a ton of anxiety, it's not really going to work. Right. So you need to take care of your diet and your body. And, and so they give you, one of the things I really loved when I was playing around with it is that they give you very bite sized pieces to start so that it's not overwhelming, like little, like just a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And so that you can just add it in gradually because it's the only way to really, um, the only way it really will work is if you start slow and add it in gradually. Like, right. Like he was saying about changing habits, right? We can't, uh, revolution. You can't have, it's difficult to foment a revolution in your own personal life immediately, uh, because we are creatures of habit and persistence. Yeah. What a great human being. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said at the very beginning of this show, we're, um, like mindedness does not have to mean finding people who, who agree with you on certain issues of the day. Right. What we're doing here in the podcast is trying to find people who are uh, whose grasp of their own reality and um, search for their own truth. Uh, sort of lines up with how we think about it. It's it's not people don't have to agree with me, but I do. You know, it's so inspiring to to see him the way he, you know, puts his where he puts his values and then makes it his north star and then decides how to do the stuff that he's doing. It's a it's a way to be rather than a you know we're looking for people who who we share ideas on the way to be. Uh, rather than just sharing some kind of opinion about a thing, right? So, I've, I've always sort of called it a, like my spiritual life, but it incorporates all of those things. And it's like my whole life is a, a spiritual journey. But it, all of those are, he's identified all of the pieces of the, what I call a spiritual life. Like it's, uh, I, he's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> right, right. 
All right. So I've got one for you here. Uh, we've okay. got um, listeners probably know I read a lot of uh, the um, Indian uh, stuff from the Indian sages and and masters. I've been reading Nisargadatta Maharaj again recently. And um, so uh, people who've been listening to the podcast for a while will will know that um, uh, I make a point in Tickled uh, where I'm like, every everybody, there is there are no original thoughts. Everybody copies everybody. And this idea that that something is yours uh, is just preposterous, right? We're in we're in a great sort of beautiful unfolding constellation of creation. But um, so Nisargadatta was talking in this book. Um, he says Bija, which I think it might be Sanskrit for seed, means second creation, which makes sense. But I, I wanted to read this passage where he's talking about it. He says, "You take the seed to the banyan tree." It is very small, smaller than the mustard seed. The seed is very subtle, but all the gross matter is already inside it. Do you see the paradox? Similarly, your essential being is the subtlest, yet it contains the whole universe. Another point is what do you mean by seed? Bija means second creation, and thus signifies that the past is being repeated. It was a tree. The tree got concentrated in the seed, and the seed recreates the past history it contains. So that's a bunch of big thoughts in there. Um, but the, to me, one of my favorite parts is it's like we never really think about it. It's like, yes, of course, the plant or the tree came from the seed, but um, the seed contains the future tree. <laughs> and the fact that, um, that is even something that's possible kind of baffles the imagination, right? So how do you contain uh, several generations of a tree in one seed, right? And it's like, essentially, it's the, the, the power of the creative force of the universe, uh, which is contained within you too, right? Like we, if, if we say, where do you come from, right? You might say, well the union of the fertilized egg and the sperm of your parents, right? So that's effectively the seed of you. But at any given point in time, right? It's like, where, where is the you that I'm talking to now? Where is that emanating from, right? You could go all the way back to the, to, and call it the fertilization, but there's another way of thinking about it, which is it's, there is your essential being, which is contained in you, and you are contained in it, and all of you is in there. So I don't know why I thought this, like, um, it wasn't as simple as Sonny is from India, but it's like the, maybe it's just, he's, he's planting seeds everywhere, right? He's planting trees, and all you got to do is pay attention to the source. What is the point? What is the goal of it all? And, you know, when it comes to your own life, right, it's like, what is the seed of you? And what is the, what is the point of it? And like, it's to honor your own existence, I think. Right. Love more. At least that's the way I see it. <laughs> all right. So to double down on confusion here, <laughs> another way that, uh, Maharaj talks about this is he, he, he tries to make a point that, you know, the gross 
effect of anything, right, is not, um, it's not the essence of it. It can't be, right? So this is what Sonny was saying about, you know, you're, you're not your body, right? You are way more than that. And one way Maharaj talks about that is he talks about um, uh, things you know, right? The capacity to know things, which he calls knowingness. And then there's the knower. So um, the problem that we have uh, in, in modern life is we're so distracted. We get distracted by the things we think we know. Uh, your opinion about something, you think this happened or this is what's going on, and it sort of consumes you at, at any point in time, right? And what's, what's actually more interesting, if you, th- if you want to think about sort of the miracle of it all, is not the things that you know, but the fact that you are capable of knowing anything at all, right? So that's the knowingness, right? So you're not the things you know. But the knowingness in you also changes, right? So the quality of your knowingness changes based on the things that you ultimately know. So it's, a, it's changeable too. So it's not you either. And what you are is the knower of the knowingness, right? And it's like, where does that reside, right? And he says here, when you come to know this secret of this knowingness, its origin, you will attain fullness and all your needs will come to an end. Remember that you are neither the known nor the knowingness, but are the knower of knowingness. You are the watcher. You are the witness. You are that part of you that is eternally pure. Right. And if you can tap into it, and I think that's kind of what Sunny Singh has done in, in chapter two here of a, sort of a mind blowing career is, and you mentioned it earlier, Joey, he is tapping into the source that is making it very clear to him uh, what he should do, what the right thing to do is. And when we're not distracted by, things that we think we know and we and we and we try to get that holistic sense of our own existence you will find that you can uh that you can you know hear the voice of god telling you what your next move is yeah. and and it might even be something as ambitious as planting a billion trees <laughs> We'll start small here at Rockledge. Um, but but watch it watch your back Sunny Singh we're coming for you Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you in a week. Bye-bye. After present moment, traveling town to town, the mystery of the motion right here, right now. Right here, right now. Whoa, right here, right now.
listening to How to Tickle Yourself with your hosts, Duff McDonald and Matt McButter. You can help us by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with others. You can talk to us and see what else is happening on Instagram and Facebook at How to Tickle Yourself. This program was recorded in Studio B of the historic Rockledge Recording Studio and the Tunnel Under Arundel. Right here, right now, our original 16-part theme music was written and recorded by the legendary Paul Reddick and Kyle Ferguson of the Sidemen with the brilliant Steve Mariner on bass and drums and in the mixing room. The podcast is produced and distributed by Storic Media. Our editor is Andrew Steiner. Our coordinator is Samantha Abramovitz. Our producers are Kristen Verbitsky and Chuck LaBella. For more information, visit storicmedia.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-C media.com. My love, my dear.